our foster care system is shattered. And this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, change in the system and changing the lives of children in foster care. Hi, my name is Rob Shear. I'm the founder of a national charity called Comfort Cases. I'm an advocate for children in foster care. I'm a public speaker. I'm an author of a forever family, but most important, I'm a dad to five of the most amazing kids. Welcome to the Fostering Change podcast. Well, it's hard to believe it's another Tuesday here with Fostering Change. You know, as season two is coming to an end, um, this has been an unbelievable season. Um, You know, we're going through the pandemic. We've changed things up a little bit. Um, As you all know, we're now on YouTube, but we have had some of the most amazing guests. You know, I thought nothing could compare to season one, but season two has brought so much change for me. I have learned so many things. I have met some of the most amazing humans I could possibly meet. I have read some fantastic, fantastic books. And I am so, so excited with our next guest. So our next guest, I actually spoke to a while back. A lot of you have seen her on social media. Um, If you have not, oh my gosh, you have got to follow her. You have to make sure you purchase her award-winning book, um, which is a best-selling book. And her name is Anala Quijado Banks. Welcome to Fostering Change. Yes, I'm so glad to be here. It was amazing to connect with you a few months back and just, you know, hear your mission and the why behind why you do things. And you're just an amazing person. So I'm glad that um, we're able to have this conversation. I am so excited about having this conversation. You know, I was talking to someone today and one of the things they were talking about your book is your book is different than any other book they've read is because you actually give the how. And so many times we read books and we we read them and we're like, okay, what do we do? And you actually have given a lot of the how. Um, Can we take it back to exactly how your story began and why you decided to write this book? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, the biggest piece was that I didn't age out of foster care and coming back into this place where I had to navigate the world as many young people in foster care have to without parents. It was very challenging, very confusing. Um, You know, you're just kind of like grabbing at straws and hoping something sticks and is right and is successful. Um, And so there was a lot of mistakes, a lot of, you know, boundary issues all the way down from, you know, mental health things that I think could have been prevented physical health things that I believe could have been prevented, spiritual health things, financial mistakes. And I think that like just looking back at my story and seeing, you know, I didn't age out successfully. I was given a seven day notice um, to get out of foster care and figure out life on my own that, wow, okay, I don't want young people to go through this. I don't want other, you know, foster parents to be confused about how to support young people. So that's really where a lot of that information was seated in and just, you know, picking apart my own lessons that I learned the hard way and really trying to give a blueprint blueprint that really focuses for um, what is success, how, 
how do I define success for myself after trauma? How do I heal? You know, how do I love myself, you know, and see myself as valuable um, after all this pain, after all this, these horrible things that have happened and I can take control of my story. I can take control of who I am. So do you mind if I ask how old you are? Uh, yeah, I'm 25. 25. So, so, you know, and I ask that because I want our listeners and what and viewers to know this. You're 25 years old. I am 55. You oh, wow. and I <laughs> both, you and I both basically had the same journey, you know, where you were given seven days, I was given 30 minutes, that we were supposed to navigate this on our own without any support whatsoever. Much like you, I made very bad choices. I made bad financial choices. I made bad health choices. I made bad drug choices. I'm very open about it in my book. And I feel so much of that is because I didn't have a firm foundation. What do you think? I definitely agree about that. I think that um, especially, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, but acknowledging um, the history of colonization, the history of you know what has happened um, to our family structures and the culture and the dy dynamic of you know what it even means to be a family. I've seen a lot of high functioning toxic family structures even outside of foster care. And so really recognizing like, wow, if that's the case with people that, you know, don't even have foster care experience um, and they, those stories were never reported, these are the ones that were, you know, my family or your family. And so how do we like take a step back so we can take a bigger step forward in seeing like, okay, what is the foundation? What are you really rooted in um, as a parent, as an individual, as a, as a young person? Where do you, you know, think that you got your grit? <laughs> I don't know. I would say just a combination of incredible human beings like my grandmother. That was a part of my life. Um, she had a pretty clear head on her shoulders for the most part. And um, trial and error, I don't, I don't really know. I would say if I had to pinpoint it, it'd probably be the human beings that I was blessed to be a part of uh, their lives, even if it was like for five minutes um, and just hearing their stories, hearing like, okay, you know, I can, whatever is going on with me, I can figure out how to achieve this. I can get out of it. Um, really is somewhere within me having that hope no matter what, even though it would like, you know, like a roller coaster dim down a little bit and then come up other times, like, Definitely family. Do you still feel at times, you know, you, you talk about the roller coaster and it's something that I think for people like you and I who have, um, you know, I, I'll be the first one to say I do suffer from PTSD, that I am mm. the first one that flashes back to what it was like to be a 12 year old boy and have your father put a cigarette out on them to, to know what it's like to go hungry. Um, do you feel like that there will ever be a day, and like I said, I'm 55 and I haven't seen it, that there's a day that you will be over all of that? Um, you know, I think healing is a journey as we both know. And, you know, what I've learned is that I really have to forgive myself for a lot of those aspects of, I guess, 
doing what I could uh, with what I thought, what I learned. And secondly, forgiving others. Um, I also suffer with PTSD and it's, it's not something that you can pinpoint like, oh yeah, I'm, I know, you know, right now I'm going to have peace like this episode or whatever, um, or flashback, but some days are harder than others. And I think as long as we're committed to this idea of healing and loving ourselves, loving other people, having a bigger purpose and, you know, falling into this idea of victimhood, like, oh my gosh, this is what happened to me. What was me? I think that that's really what creates a, a very clear direction of where we're going and, you know, okay, I, I can take another step. And even though I may not know exactly what that is, I have confidence in myself to figure out how to do that. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I think, at least for me, that, you know, one day everything will be just like disappeared as if trauma never happened. Um, but I do feel like I have the patience and the compassion for myself as well as other people um, and the forgiveness of, okay, you know, I can take this step and then see how I feel if this works, if this doesn't work, but also recognizing this is going to be a lifelong journey. I am forever changed from a lot of this trauma, but I'm committed to having a better life and a better outcome than what I've experienced in the past. Well, you know, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said, not the victim. You know, I'm the youngest of actually 10 kids. And wow. um, yeah, so um, I am the, the baby of 10. And for for so many years, I've, I've listened to that victim thing where I look at I, I am who I am today because I was a victim. I have mm -hmm. made these choices today because I am the victim. And I just happen to choose not to allow myself to consider myself a victim. But the other thing I heard you say is forgiveness. You know, I remember um, I was 32 and I had, you know, had done all the things that we don't want to talk about. And I write very vividly in my book about, I had a drug addiction. I had four suicide attempts. I was not one who was making the right choices, but it wasn't until I went to my mother's grave and my father's grave and I fell on my knees and I said to them that I forgave them. And, and by the way, I didn't forgive them to free them for some whatever they were going to go to. I forgave them to give the power back to me. Do you feel that so much of forgiveness is about healing with inside of yourself instead of healing the other person? Um, yeah, 100%. And I think like, at first, I think it kind of sounds like ridiculous. Like, how would it be more for me if I'm not getting that uh, I apologize from the person that wronged you? But at the end of the day, um, as you also just said, you know, you really have to understand and take responsibility for your own life, for your own joy, for your own state of mind and recognize that, you know what? I don't know what they went through too. Like, I think a lot of big, a huge piece for me with forgiveness was compassion and recognizing that, you know, my parents were human beings, you know, and a lot of those things were perhaps um, preventable. However, they didn't have all the tools. They didn't have all, you know, in my particular situation, they didn't have the tools. They didn't have the support. They didn't have a lot of different aspects that doesn't excuse in any way 
you know, what has been done. Um, however, in order for me to move forward, in order for me to achieve the level of success that I want and experience the level of joy and love that I want, I have to let go of anything that's going to be in the way of that. And if I hold on to it and say, well, I can't experience this because this and this and this happened, then I'm really, you know, blocking myself from really experiencing life the way life should be experienced. So do you feel that if you were to tell the other, you know, boys and girls, young women and young men who are either coming in the system, aging out of the system, going through the system, you know, reading, you know, the Black Foster Youth Handbook. And by the way, that book could have easily been called the White, you know, Foster Youth Handbook. Just want to let you know. And the reason I say that is because I will be the first to say I'm a white privileged male, my friend. Okay. Being white, I am treated differently than you. Okay, but I will say the guides that you taught in that book could be used by so many people. What is one or two of the things that you would like to say either to your younger self or to someone else that you know that went through or is going through what you and I've gone through? Mm, I really love that. I really love that question. Hmm. I would say for one, no matter what you have experienced, no matter what you may have had to become to survive, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of joy. You are worthy of healing. You are worthy of everything and anything that you desire and more. <laughs> um, that's probably the number one thing that I would definitely love to share. Wow. I love that. You, you, you are loved and you deserve, you know, we're going to take a little break here, but you know, whether you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify or Google or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, or maybe this season you've decided to tune in on our YouTube channel. This is another reason why I started this podcast is because to have these conversations, these conversations that by the way, I don't know who's listening and I don't know who's watching, but I will tell you that there are people that are hearing this story right now and they're starting the healing process. Because by the way, it's a start. It's a start. And there are gonna be times you will fall, but then you can start again. That's the best thing. Our life is like a book. You literally can get halfway through it and say, you know what? I don't like the way this book is going. I want to start over. Listen, we're going to be right back. I really, really want all of you as we take this break is to go onto um, Amazon, order the Black Foster Youth Handbook, and you will not be disappointed. We'll be right back. This episode of Fostering Change is sponsored by Comfort Cases, a national nonprofit that is inspiring our communities to bring dignity and hope to youth in foster care. You know, for just $10 a month, you can support the Comfort Cases mission to eliminate trash bags from the foster care system. For every $10 donated, a Comfort XL duffel bag will be given to a child entering foster care. 
please help us be part of the change. Go to comfortcases.org and see how you can help a child entering our foster care system. Well, we are so excited to be back here for our second half of Fostering Change. You know, my friend Anahala, we were just talking about names. And um, I think it's so important that we talk about your name. And let me tell you the reason why. When my daughter was four years old, she arrived in our home from foster care. I will never forget this. And I've shared this in my book, but I've never talked about this on our podcast. And when she walked into the door, the social worker said, this is Maya. And I looked down at her and I said, hi, Maya. And she did a little wave and she's four years old. And, you know, as, as the social worker had left and days had gone by, um, I had spoke to Maya and I had called Maya for breakfast and I had gotten Maya ready for bed and given her bath. Two weeks after I had taken my husband and I had stayed home to be with Maya because we wanted to bond with her, she went back to her daycare. On that first day, she came home from daycare, and on the top of a piece of paper, the name Amaya was written. I asked her, why would the teacher give her the wrong paper? She said, what do you mean, Mr. Rob? I said, your name is Maya. This says Amaya. She said, my name is Amaya. I said, why have you allowed us to call you Maya? And she says, because that's what everybody was calling me in foster care four years old. Wow. So that's why knowing your name, pronouncing your name, I would love to tell us how you received your name. Because by the way, for those who watch us on YouTube, you'll see that it is actually spelled differently than the way it is pronounced. So let us know how that is. Yeah. So my grandmother um, actually named me, she says she named me Angela because um, when I came out (laughs) of the womb, I was quiet and they actually thought I was dead because I was sleeping. And um, she just automatically knew, okay, this is Angela. Um, And yeah, for a long time, that's what my name was until kindergarten, you know, and in kindergarten, all the other kids were not saying my name as Angela, they said Angela. And so I just kind of got tired of correcting people. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just go by Angela. And so in 2017, my grandmother actually, you know, we were hanging out and my friend called me and she said, my name, Angela. And my grandmother was like looking at me and just basically corrected my friend. And I was like, that for me was a turning point where I was like, I need to embrace my name. I need to say it as Angela. That's my name. You know, it means angelic messenger. And I've really taken that to heart throughout my entire life is that I have a message to share. And um, whether that's through my book or through whatever it is. And um, it's really empowering because I know, you know, how much my grandmother Um, had a hand in that, which is someone that I look up to still to this day. Yeah, I love that. I love what it means, by the way, because, you know, having your book, you know, the Black Fostering Youth Handbook and knowing so much that you do, because by the way, you you're you're into um, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're into um, 
you know, when it comes to health and and making sure that, you know, your your mind is as, as clean as your body. Tell me a little bit about that, because it's holistic um, healing and health that you're really into. Yes, I am a scholar at Legacy Holistic Health Institute. So um, I'm studying to become a holistic health coach because that's really what all my work is centered in. Even in the book, I focus on mind, body, spirit, and finances, because I think that is also linked into our mind, body, and spirit. And it can very much influence um, the quality of our health in all those areas. So um, yes, I do that through purpose coaching um, for anyone that has a background of you know just feeling lost, feeling confused, not knowing where they're going to go where they came from, those types of things. Cause I, I believe that we have a duty here in this world and this experience to really evolve into our full selves and our best selves really in recognizing, you know what, no matter what I went through I can alchemize this into purpose and I can tell my story in a way that empowers others. And I, I truly believe when you do tell your story that you're starting to create this ripple of change. Um, and the more ripples that we have, the better, the, the better that we are able to create solutions for a lot of these horrific things, such as impacts of foster care. So, yes. Love that. I love that you, you talk about telling your story. I say that quite often. We all have a story and you know, you have no idea how it will impact somebody to tell this, tell the story. Now Absolutely. I have to tell you, you are probably one of the youngest CEOs I've ever met. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that you're a CEO and the founder of Soulful Liberation and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that's a, a podcast at a book publishing company? Yes, it is. So so tell me a little bit. See, I did my homework, by the way. So, <laughs> you know, say, uh, okay. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that. Because, I mean, I, again, this is, this is what I'm thinking. I have to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that, number one, you have struggled. And you have definitely come from a dark place into such a light place that you have taken so much of what I feel is your pain and put it into purpose and into passion. And you've written this amazing book, which, by the way, everyone, it is a best-selling book. You, you must, you must, you must get this book. You know what? Do me a big favor. Buy the book. Then buy a second copy, send it comfort cases so we can give it to other teens because I think they really need to read this book. But then all of a sudden you become the founder and the CEO of a book and publishing company and a and a podcast. Tell me about that and how did that happen? Yes, absolutely. So uh, last year during the pandemic, I was not um, myself. I felt very, very sad. Um, because I, I couldn't stop thinking about families that were experiencing poverty and uh, domestic abuse and things like that, um, like my family did, and just adding the layer of a whole global pandemic on top of that and how that can really exacerbate problems. And then, you know, for the young people not having an opportunity to go anywhere else, I also thought about. Um, being in foster care and having to age out during a whole global pandemic. And I just was mortified for young people and 
just very frustrated and, and you know it just felt like what am I going to do I have to do something so I started the Soulful Liberation podcast um, to empower young people that are currently in foster care as well as educate people because what I've learned too and, and I'm sure you have as well as like wow there's so many people that don't really know like what's going on in foster care so <laughs> um, really telling different parts of people's stories that have experienced trauma um, through various art forms. So spoken word, um, art, rapping, singing, that kind of thing. And so I started that and it still didn't feel like it was enough. Um, so that's kind of how I started also writing the Black Foster Youth Handbook. It is now, after I self-published, the book it has now grown into a publishing company and what what we seek to do in soulful liberation is to empower aspiring authors that have those really you know gut-wrenching stories the ones that are really painful to get out but will absolutely influence the change in the world in one way or the other whether that is about domestic violence and whether that is about foster care whether that is about the impacts of uh, white supremacy culture and um, colonization. So really being able to connect those stories and recognizing that our stories isn't just about us, you know, and unfortunately it's not just about us. It is fortunately about the solutions and how we can move forward and create a better world ultimately. So that's a little bit about self-liberation. Wow, that is so amazing. And I love the fact that you say create a better world. You know, it. you're right. Our stories are just not about us. And I think that we need more publishing companies like yours. And, you know, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I know people want to read about Beyonce and, you know, Celine Dion. <laughs> but I think that people need to read about true true human stories and yeah. um because i think a lot of times it will empower other youth i i think about as i was a kid growing up i never knew anybody else in foster care yeah um, foster care was never mentioned unless it was my foster parent describing me to someone else you know mm -hmm. and then i look at my children who arrived in my home and you know my five beautiful babies back here who you know all the time i i think about you know them them growing up and being able to have good role models and understanding that, you know, to have people that look like them compared to me, you know, um, you know, I love what you said about, you know, dreaming big. Um, you know, you, you, you've said that, by the way, I don't know if you know that is that dream big is something you like. Um, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that is something that's really huge. And I think that we all should dream big. I think yes. dream big is what's going to make our world so much better than it is today. And Absolutely. to be a part of the change, you know, I will have to tell you, this has been the best half hour. This is, I've enjoyed you so much. It went by way too fast. Um, <laughs> and so you're definitely, definitely going to have to come back and be a guest on. Hey, you already know. Yeah. You know, listen, I, I want people, how can people find your book? So you can find the book pretty much anywhere. Um, if you're looking to read more about the book, www.blackfostercareyouthhandbook.com. Com. Um, for some reason, it didn't just let me put Black Foster Youth Handbook. So 
definitely make sure you add that care in there. Blackfostercareyouthhandbook.com. Yes. And so, and people can find you on Facebook. They can find you on Instagram. So what we will be doing is we will be, we'll make sure to put all of your handles and all of your hyperlinks, um, you know, as our, our podcast is embedded within our website, it is on our YouTube channel, but listen, I, I, I just can't say thank you enough. I mean, thank you for, I, I have five kids, one daughter. And um, I, I spoke to my daughter about interviewing you, by the way. And Aww. I said to my daughter, um, there, are, there are humans who you can always look up to and be inspired. And this young lady that I'm interviewing today, I can tell you right now, we all should look up to you because you are so inspirational. And Aww, thank, thank you. you. And thank you for breaking the cycle. The cycle is something each and every one of us from the system can break. Listen, everybody, I know that you all have busy days and I know that that you even take enough time, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes to listen to fostering change. It truly does help. And as my friend said, it's also educational. I think there are so many myths within our foster care system that we seem sometimes not to talk about it. But here, we rip the Band-Aid off. Here, we need to make sure that we educate each and every one of us. Because as I say this all the time, if you look in the eyes of a child, you actually look in your future. It is your future. So whether you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, Deezer, or whatever your favorite podcast podcast host is, do me a favor, share it, share it. And if you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a message. If you happen to know someone that you would like to be a guest, or maybe one of our guests, you have a question, because by the way, I keep in touch with all of our guests, please email me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. And never forget, each and every one of us, we have a story. So tell your story because you never know how it will impact someone's life. Take care. I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. Check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. And I know some of you have a question, and I know some of you would love to be a guest. Please personally reach out to me at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. That's fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Then do me a big favor. Please help spread the word. Share this podcast. Share it with your friends and your family. Remember, I say this quite often, we're all part of the same community. And that community, it's not our zip code, but our human race. Let's all make a difference.